Good morning. Good morning. It is so uh, good to be with you again, and thank you for having me, Dr. Beal. It's been my pleasure and privilege, and I'm greatly encouraged about the future of our country as I see uh, these uh, young folks preparing to serve you and uh, to make a difference in our world. And I just want to say that I am so thankful to be saved by the grace of God today. Fifteen years of age, I um, was with my older brother, Myron. I'm, I'm the third of seven uh, boys. And we're lifting weights in William Penn High School. And uh, you can tell my weightlifting career ended at that moment. <laughs> but they're lifting weights, and a Christian teenager began witnessing to my brother Myron and talking to him about the Lord. And next thing I know, my brother Myron, a few days later, he went to church, and he said, man, I got saved. And I was like, okay, yeah, right. And, um, and I said, I'll give you a week, you know, for you back to your old self. And he, a week went by, and he just kept on going. And then he began inviting me to church. And, uh, and I said, well, I already have a church. We went to have a church that didn't preach the gospel, didn't preach anything, really. And uh, I said, why should I go to your church? He said, well... So we have basketball and we have girls. I said, where do I sign? <laughs> that's what he used to get me to church. That's not, that's, I was lost, okay? I, I didn't know any better. I'm not advocating that. I'm not, that's not bragging about that. That's just the way it happened. And so I began attending church in April of that year and, and loved it. And, and, and I loved it. I didn't understand much of what the preacher said but the people were so gracious and so kind, and I wasn't used to that. But I, what, I, what I do remember is the preacher giving the invitation. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you're not saved, would you come forward and we'll have someone take the Bible and show you? And I can remember every single Sunday holding on to the chair in front of me and not letting go. And, saying, Mm-mm. and people would even come and tap on my shoulder and say, Michael, you want to get saved today? No, 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 no. And that went on for several months until finally, after four months of that, I did get on my knees and I called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And uh, I just thank, thank so much, thank God for the great salvation that he offers. The devil tries to paint a picture of Christianity being a life of misery, being a life of burdens, being a life like you can't do this, you can't do that, and all that stuff. But, but we know better when we know Jesus Christ is our Savior. And those scriptures that the Bible talks about ring so true in our hearts. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second, uh, 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We weren't born to lose, we were born to win, because we were born again in the Lord Jesus Christ. We could just go on and on. Romans 8, 37, we're reminded Reminded that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're on the winning side. And yet that's not always my experience. Sometimes I lose. Sometimes the devil gets the best. But I want to read just a couple scriptures here today from, oh, by the way, before I do that, uh, I'm still not that good at basketball. But one of those girls at church? Yeah, oh, boy. She, she has been my bride for 38 years, 38 years and six children later, amen? So, so, so yeah, I feel good about that. I got saved. I got saved and got right before I got married. It wasn't go there to steal a girl. But anyway, but anyway, that wasn't, that wasn't the point. But, uh, but I just praise the Lord for my wife. I'm looking forward to getting back to her later this evening. And, um, and um, our, our third son 
His wife right now is in um, the hospital in labor giving birth to their first child. So I'm looking forward to see our first granddaughter. Um, uh, God willing, maybe, maybe later this evening, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But anyway, now back to the Bible. Um, Proverbs chapter 21. I just want to read two verses here for you this morning. And uh, just two verses that, that I just the Lord put on my heart to share with you today. Proverbs 21, the last two verses of the chapter, Proverbs 21, verses 31 and 32. Proverbs 21, verses 30 and 31. What did I say, 31 and 32? I meant 30 and 31. Proverbs 21, 30 and Proverbs 21, 31. There is no wisdom, nor counsel, nor understanding against the Lord. Verse 31 is really the text verse that I would like to use today for our time together. The horse, why don't you read that with me? Could you, could you read that with me? The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. I love the book of Proverbs, and we'll talk about that. I want to talk today about the fact that victory is ours. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you that it's precious. Thank you that it's powerful. Thank you that it applies to our lives. Speak to every one of our hearts and help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. The book of Proverbs are single-sentence sermons that really pack a powerful punch for us today. And um, I recommend them for daily reading. I've been, I don't know, probably when I was a, a, a teenager, I began reading Proverbs corresponding with the day of the month, and I've done that for so long, I don't remember when it started. But, uh, but as you today continue your college education, we find in here some, some help for us to have victory in our lives. And let me just jump right into it here. Uh, three essentials for, for, for a life of victory from this verse, verse 31. Number one, we see the picture. The picture, we are in a battle. It says the horse is prepared against the day of battle. The reality is every day is a battle. We're in a fight. This world is not a playground. It's a battleground. And uh, we need to recognize that the battle is not Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus uh, 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 liberal or anything like that. It's the battle is for the souls of men and women, boys and girls, that are going to a devil's hell if we don't reach them. Life is not a game. And God tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 12 to fight the good fight and to lay hold on to eternal life. We don't have to go out looking for trouble. We don't have to. The devil is looking for us. He goes about, the Bible says, as a roaring lion. He also comes about sometimes as a sneaky serpent. He also appears at times as an angel of light to deceive. But in every way, he's coming. He's on the attack. We need to be strong. We need to be bold. And we need to stand, as the scripture tells us, in the whole armor of God, which is a picture of Jesus Christ. The devil is out to ruin your future. You need to realize that. And we're told in John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. He would destroy any of us and all of us if he could. And he, he knows he's defeated foe, but he still won't quit. He just won't give up. And neither should we, because we are in a battle. We're not victims, but we're victors in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we may lose some rounds. And we may take some, some wounds along the way, but we know ultimately we are winners because we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We stand bold in the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 144, verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my strength, what teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. And brothers and sisters, we need to understand as we fight in this battle, we are in the Lord Jesus Christ and victory is Ours. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 2, 3, that we are to endure hardness 
as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And then, you know, you say, well, school is hard. Well, life is hard. Everything is hard. And part of the reason it's hard is because of sin and because of Satan and his attacks against us. That's why the Bible tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and to put on the whole armor of God as we go through life. The picture is that we are in a battle. But we see, secondly, the priority, and that is we must prepare. The Bible says the horse is prepared against the day of battle. These horses had to be trained to endure the noise and the, shout, the shouts of battle. They had to be trained to keep on going forward despite the smell of blood and the carnage that would go on around them. They had to be trained to keep on fighting though they were wounded. These horses needed preparation and so also do we. We need to be prepared for every stage of life. You know, some people have a really passive view of the Christian life that they shun preparation and they just say, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. No, God says prepare. Get ready. Get ready because you're in a battle. And if you're not prepared for the battle, you're going to be a casualty. That's what's going to happen to you. Second Timothy chapter two and verse number 21, the Bible tells us there, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor where the Bible says sanctified and meet for every and prepared for every good work. Christians, all of this life, Everything that we experience in this life is preparation for eternity. We're only here for a little while, but we're going to be on the other side forever and ever and ever. This is preparation for what we're going to be later on. We need to be preparing. John Wooden once said, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. You need to get prepared before the opportunity comes. Why? Life comes at us fast. We need to be always getting ready. Let me just mention a few areas where we need to prepare. We need to prepare, prepare yourself spiritually, prepare spiritually. I mean, I think it important before I go out and face the day that I prepare myself spiritually by spending time with God in prayer in his word because I know eventually during the day I'm going to run into the devil or one of his demons head on. And so I need to be prepared. One of the most tragic uh, stories in the Bible is of, of, of David's line. You had Solomon who was the wisest man and then Solomon, you know, it tells us about a few, I think, of his daughters, but it only tells us of a thousand wives. We only know of one son that Solomon had, and that son was a young man named Rehoboam. And the scripture describes his story in 2 Chronicles 12, 14, and the Bible says about him, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord his God. Spiritual preparation. Prepare yourself for battle every day by seeking the Lord. It is said of Ezra in Ezra 7.10 that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord his God and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Get the answers, get the help, get the direction, get the power from God before you meet the devil in battle and then you will be ready. I know that uh, I was talking to, uh, uh, to Pastor Ogle yesterday and he He's a Marine, and I had three brothers that are Marines, and my brothers, I, I was not. I was not uh, in, in, in the military, but, uh, but my brothers told me how that when they had their M16, they had to learn how to 
take those things apart, completely apart, and put them back together so they could take them apart and put them back together blindfolded. And young folks, we need to know our weapon forward, backward, inside out. We need to know how to take the sword of the spirit and to defeat the evil one when he comes attacking our way. We need to be prepared spiritually. But let me say more about that. We need to be prepared mentally. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. You know, um, what I'm saying by that is you're in college right now. What a, great, what a great opportunity this is to prepare for life. And I've been many situations that I've faced in ministry. I was like, now what did they say about this in class? How'd that go again? And I had to go back to my notes or couldn't find my notes. I was like, why well, did not pay better attention? I want to tell you right now, please pay attention. You're not getting fluff. You're not getting, uh, you're not getting theories. You are getting practical ministry help to help you serve when you get in your appointed field. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Pay attention in class. There were many times that sometimes when I was um, in Bible college, I'd, I'd work all night. And so I had to stand up in the back so I wouldn't fall asleep so I could get what was being said. And that, and that was after three or four cup, cups of coffee. I still couldn't stay awake. And so, but prepare, stay, get your homework done, read the books. I used to think to myself, I said, wait a minute, doesn't this professor know that I got this professor and this professor and they're all telling me to read this and read this and study this? Don't they know that, that this is a mountain? I can't handle all that. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Read, study, get it done. Because every level is more expensive and the stakes are higher at every level. Prepare, prepare, prepare. I think it's interesting that we're told about Jesus in Luke 2.52 that even Jesus increased in wisdom. As God, he knows everything. But as man, he just kept on learning. And I want to say, young folks, we all need to be lifelong learners for the rest of our lives. We need to be learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. Study, read, get all of your assignments done. And when you get out into the, your field, you'll be glad that you did prepare yourself mentally, but even then, you must keep on growing mentally. Prepare yourself mentally. But I also want to say this, and they go hand in hand, prepare yourself vocationally. Prepare yourself vocationally. I was sitting up here thinking about what the Bible says about the ant in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. What's the ant doing? The ant is preparing in the summer because he knows winter is coming. And we need to prepare ourselves in our, for, in our work and for our work ultimately because there's so much of it to do. You know, our culture has adopted a, an entitlement mindset. Well, you owe me because I'm here. You ought to just give me something because, well, just because I'm here. Well, that's not how life works. I'm so glad I had a dad who was old school. He used to say, boy, nobody owes you nothing. <laughs> nobody owes you nothing. Okay, I got it, dad, I got it. You want it? Get out there and get it. Work. How about that? You know, many people in our world are like a gardener looking for a bumper crop, but they planted no seed. People in our culture, even in our world, and sometimes even in ministry, are like the guy looking for a prize fish, but he's got no hooks in the water. We need to be 
preparing. Like the person, uh, unlike the person who wants a great job, just waiting for somebody to call, no resume, no, no, nothing else, just hoping for something to happen. That mindset, by the way, exists in ministry too. And that's why the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.1, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. I didn't know this. I used to wonder, I said, man, what does my pastor do all the day? Oh, now I know. Okay. I didn't know back then, but now I get it. I understand. I understand. Abraham Lincoln, he said about his life, he said, I will study and I will prepare myself, and perhaps my time will come. Well, thank God his time did come, and God used him to save the Union, and we're able to live in the United States today, uh, humanly speaking, because Abraham Lincoln prepared. You know, I, I so love being in ministry, and I, I can't even imagine doing anything else. I just love serving God, and they pay me for it. I just, it's just amazing. I'm just so thankful for it. But here's something I do know. Ministry is W-O-R-K. I used to think, man, well, you all you got to do for your ministry is just, is just study and preach. Oh, boy. I didn't know it also meant sometimes being a janitor, a referee, breaking up flights of folks in families that can't get along with one another, changing light bulbs, uh, moving, helping folks move, uh, shoveling snow, uh, attending social, social functions to support people. There's so much that goes into it, but I love it. But I want to tell you, prepare yourself vocationally. Ministry is hard work, but it is work that is so worth it and so much of a joy to do. Well, I want to say further, it's talking about preparation. Not only prepare yourself uh, spiritually and mentally and vocationally, but prepare yourself relationally. Any, any engaged folks out here today? Any, any engaged couples? Okay. Oh, well, we got one. Okay, all right, congratulations. Do you have a date, you have a date set? When's, when are you getting married? No way. Get out of here. That's my anniversary. <laughs> June 22nd. Blessings upon you and that groom. Is he, is he here? He's not here. Okay, blessings upon you both, all right? You are in one of the best places to find your future mate. You know, guys, let me just tell you. I mean, it's nice that she's attractive, and that's wonderful. But her, her flowing hair and her batting eyelashes, <laughs> that's not what makes a good wife. She better be a worker. She better be someone with a heart for the Lord who loves the Lord more than she loves you. That's what you're looking for. Uh, you know, it, it being a minister, I talk to a lot of folks that are, that, are, are, that are married that are like, why didn't somebody stop me? I'm trying to stop you now if that's, if that's, what you, if that's what you, uh, all you're thinking about. Got, ladies, I mean, I, you know, he's got muscles. I, I get that. I understand that. But those muscles, he's going to need more than those muscles if he's going to be a good husband. When I do marriage counseling, I tell every couple the same thing every time. Marriage is ministry. When you get married, you are signing up to serve someone for the rest of your life. By the way, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I get to serve the woman that God gave me. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm ecstatic about it. But that's what it is. If you want a spouse, be preparing to lay down your life and your preferences for one another. That's what marriage is. But it's a joy. And, you know, I just thank God that for my wife, we have served side by side in the ministry as a labor of love together. And, you know, it's just a beautiful thing when you can serve, some, serve the Lord together. When you're in Bible college, you're, you're being taught the same things, and you're being, you're being, you're, you're, 
being taught to work and to serve now, what a wonderful thing it is just to take it to the next level as you serve the Lord together until he calls you home because that's a beautiful thing. But prepare yourself relationally. Have two lists. Mm -hmm. Have a list for the one you're looking for, right? You know, it's a very popular thing. I run to a lot of young ladies who can't cook. But we guys love to eat. So, ladies, you got to figure that one out. If you can't cook, take some classes, watch the cooking channel, whatever you got to do. I know some guys love to cook, too, but I'm not in that number. Um, but, guys, have your list of the things you want in a, in, a, in a future wife. And, you know, when you take her out to lunch or whatever, you see if you can check any of them off. Right? Same ladies, you have a, have a list for, for the guy that you, that you would hope that one day would ask you to marry him. Have a list. And by the way, don't settle. Better to be single and a little lonely than to be stuck and miserable. Okay? Listen to me. But have two lists. Have one for yourself. The kind of person that somebody else would want to marry. Have a list for yourself of the kind of character that you want to have in your own life that would make you attractive to somebody who has of a higher caliber. Have two lists. Prepare yourself relationally. In every relationship that you have, focus on your responsibilities, not your rights. By the way, it's interesting. The Bible never talks about marital rights. It always talks about marital responsibilities, what we should do. Even in your friendships, be a friend. Be a good friend. Prepare yourself to live unselfishly and be a blessing to others. That's what the God, God tells us to do. The Bible says, a man that friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Prepare yourself relationally. We don't naturally grow in relationships. We supernaturally grow because we prepare. That's so vitally, vitally important. We see the picture. We are in a battle. We see the priority. We must prepare. We see thirdly and finally the principle. That is we must trust God, not self. Verse 31, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. That is just so good. Safety is of the Lord. The word, that, that, that word uh, safety there, it means victory, salvation, or deliverance. The danger, the danger is in trusting what you have or what you have done. That's the danger. That's what we must avoid. The horse in Scripture is the strength, is a symbol of strength and power. In fact, even today it is, right? Even today, you know, you talk about somebody's got a Mustang or you know, some kind of hot rug. How many horses you got under there, right? That's a horsepower, right? So even today, it's still something that we, that we use. But in the Bible, the strongest source of strength was the horse. They had no tanks. They had no uh, aircraft carriers, fighter jets, cruise missiles. God wa repeatedly warned his people not to trust in their own sources of strength, that's not where the help comes from. He repeatedly warned them. Over in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16, Thou shalt in any wise set, set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee, that thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that they should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall return, henceforth return no more that way. Well, you know what? They totally disregarded that because we find out in 1 um, uh, Kings 4.26, and Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots. 
And God later rewarded them and rebuked them under Isaiah, Isaiah 31.1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help, that stay on horses or trust on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. The principle is we must trust God. And here's what I'm saying. Prepare, but don't trust your preparation. Plan, but don't trust your plans. Get skill and education and all the things you can get, but don't put your trust in those. Put your trust in the Most High God only and only in Him. Some people have the mindset, we just let go and let God. No, that's not what the Bible says. You hold on. And trust God. That's what you do. And you just keep on going. Don't try to understand the balance between divine sovereignty and human responsibility. But know this. God won't do our part, and we can't do his. Many times, we will be overwhelmed, outnumbered, and have our backs against the ball. But remember David, when David was going against Goliath, one of the greatest stories in all the scriptures. I love it, love it, love it, love it. David said in 1 Samuel 17, 46, This day the Lord will deliver thee into my hand. He addressed that to the Philistine giant. He said, And I'll smite thee and take thine head off from thee, and I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the world may know that there's a God in Israel. David wasn't saying, it's about me. I finished first in slingshot school. Watch out, man. You're you're going down, baby. That's not what he said. He's saying this. I'm doing it. Not in David's name. Not for David's honor. Not for David's glory. In fact, if God doesn't guide that stone, David's going down. But David went forth in the strength and the trust of the Lord. Asa, one of his later descendants as king, he had a similar experience in 2 Chronicles 14, 11. Asa cried unto the Lord as God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee. To help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Oh, I just love that. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. I'm so glad I'm a Christian today. Hey, I know how the story ends, and we're on the winning side. Do you understand today? We don't fight for victory. That's already been declared. That's already been established. We fight from the victory of the cross to the next victory. We go from victory to victory to victory because the victory is not in us. The victory is in the Lord himself. Victory is ours. Psalm 20 and verse number 7. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Doesn't matter how big you are, doesn't matter how strong you are. Understand, it's a battle. I get it. We must prepare. But with all the preparation we do, we understand our preparation will not, won't amount to a hill of beans unless we are dependent upon the Most High God, who is the source and strength of all of our victory. Hudson Taylor, who founded the China Inland Mission. I think it's the Overseas Missionary Fellowship now. He said this. He says, it seemed to me that God looked over the whole world to find a man who was weak enough to do his work. And when he at last found me, he said, he's weak enough, he'll do. (laughs) And then he said this, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. 
And I just want to encourage you today, let us go on to the victory that God has for us. God bless you. It's been a wonderful joy to be with you these days.